0: To another episode
1: of Next. Leads to Deals. All right, guys, Scott Morse here We're on another episode of the Leads to Deals podcast. Super excited again about one of my favorite guests. His name's Esteban Andrade. He's the owner of an amazing agency called Hustle Media. He's got a six digit month operation going, he's expanding into different verticals got over 60 clients nationwide that he's delivering the best of the best digital media leads to. Guys, welcome, Esteban Andrade. Thanks for having me, man. you are very welcome. Thanks for coming down. and we're in Colombia, man. You're My here country. It's, I love it's your country. I'm a guest in your country. Um, but you live in Canada now or the United States? I uh, live in Miami. I was living in Canada like Columbia. long time ago. Yeah, it's it pretty. is pretty. I hear just as much Spanish in Miami as I do here in Colombia. Um, all right. So you're living in Miami now, and that's where you're running your agency out of? Yeah. So we're based in Miami. We started in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short,
0: we just decided to go on the heat. And that's where we do everything virtual all across
1: the United States. Okay, so your clients are virtual. So again, put in perspective, you're selling leads to real estate investors and wholesalers. Yeah, real estate investors and wholesalers are our main clients. Okay, and they're located throughout the nation, but what about your team? Where's your team located? Are they in Miami or are they virtual too?
0: Yeah, it's funny because uh, they're, again, all across the globe. So we have people in South Africa, we have people in Colombia, we have people, one person in Miami. We also have people in Europe that are doing the nomad stuff, lifestyle, and selling for us. Um, but we we have a very diverse team all across the globe.
1: We have people in Mexico. Follow over. So I love it. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I went to, you know who Tony Robbins is? Yes. So for anybody who's big in sales, like mindset is everything. And I was coming up and Tony Robbins, did, have you ever been to one of his shows? I haven't. Bro, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it because it's like cult-like, beautiful. And you do like the walking on coals and stuff. So it's really cool. Um, But I remember at one of his events, I bought a book or a a CD by a guy named Frank Kern. You ever heard of him? That's one of my coaches. Oh, yes. When you say coaches, you mean like mentors or you've... Yes, I I got his program, like one of his basic
0: programs. But he basically is the one that uh, taught me how to structure ad copy and how to do ads, run ads. You know, you got to know who you're talking to. You know, you got to know what they need and you got to know how do they get what they need. And basically that's how you structure the ad copy and everything
1: so that people take action on your stuff. Amazing. So anybody watching this, please tag Frank in this because he changed my life. Yes. Like, and it was one of these weird things. Like I bought a DVD at Tony Robbins, like a DVD pack. I watched Frank Kern and he mentioned this website called Elance back then or Odeska. It's the old school outsourcing website. This is like 15 years ago it blew my mind. I was still working for somebody else. I was in a sales profession, but I was working under somebody else. And it blew my mind that it even existed, that I could hire somebody on the other side of the world for a fraction of the cost to do either data analytics or help me build marketing, copy, et cetera, et cetera. So how did your light bulb click for you where it was like, I can make money leveraging the talents of people all throughout the world?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, as Americans or Canadians, there's there's a lot of people are m- missing out on the opportunity of le- leveraging the same skill set or a little bit higher skill set, depending on what profession is or what type of person you get at a lower cost. So if you're a business owner, you are not seeing uh, just you're only seeing inside of what's happening inside your country. So you're like only seeing this way. But if you open up and you see 180 degrees, there is opportunity of looking at people in Colombia. There's opportunity to at people in Mexico. Uh, because these people have gone through graduation, gone through all their degrees and high level education. And most of the times, they're even higher educated than Americans, and Canadians, so they're missing a big part of like getting people that are really, really hard workers, they're willing to yes. put in that drive in the, in the, in the job. And, you know, do not complain about the lunch, do not complain about right. these breaks. And uh, obviously be very profitable. Yeah.
1: I, I could go, obviously I'm talking to you guys, my podcast studio here is in Colombia, South America. And so I could go on and on and we'll visit some of it about how impressed I am with the caliber of humans here. I mean, just like good people and great work ethic and some of these other business strategic things. But I think for a lot of people when you think about outsourcing some of your work, right? It's not necessarily to cut corners, but it's to leverage the lack of capital you may have. And so what I was so impressed about Odesker, is like, "Hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I got all these sales skills. I want to start my own company, but I can't afford to hire a digital media team and I can't afford to hire a SaaS guy and I can't afford a web but all of a sudden it becomes affordable. Like you can take the money you're making at your local job, invest it in some of these small little outsourcing and you're gonna get burnt a couple of times, but the the opportunity is there. So who was your first international hire? My first international
0: hire was actually my cousin.
1: Your cousin? <laughs> yes, <laughs> he was living
0: here in Colombia? She was she, she okay, is living here in Bogota. And, um, and then I decided to like give her a test, English test. And obviously, I was very impressed by her English speaking skills. She would learn it here. She didn't live or grow in any American or Canadian country uh, in any other country country of North American, and she would speak it so good. And I was, it was so crisp. And I was like, how'd you do it? I would just listen to books. I listened to podcasts and listen to books online. I listened to YouTube Netflix. And I'm like, do you want to try a job? Like, do you want to? do this for me. So she started some, uh, doing some outbound outreach, so right. some
1: outreach to get some clients in. That was her first job and she nailed it. Great. So when you started this company, and was it this company, this Hustle Media or Hustle Media company? Yes. How'd you get your first client? Are, are you an investor wholesaler yourself too, or you're only on the agency side primarily? And if it is that, how did you even stumble upon this this industry?
0: Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm an investor as well. I consider myself more like a, If you're a wholesaler and you have a great deal, give it to me, I'll probably put in some cash or just like, let let me take care of it. I like to do some subject to, some seller finance creative deals. It's really great to leverage that. Um, And I've done a few flips uh, with some partners in Detroit, but I'm just going away from that, it's a lot of work. Um, So I consider myself more of a passive investor uh, not like I'm act- actively like looking for deals and doing this wholesale operation and things right. like that.
1: Yeah. But your main so is this. But how did you get on this industry? So if your main thing is selling leads to people within this particular vertical, which I assume is the primary, but how did you stumble into it? I saw a big gap um, in, in 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 this industry, and and that gap
0: was lead generation, and also converting deals. So. When I started in the real estate industry, I started working for a cash buyer in Detroit. The cash buyer would just rely on auctions and just really would go to auctions to get deals, and that's everything he would do. Sometimes it will have burdocks we'll bring deals. And since this cash buyer was active on Facebook, one time I was like, hey, I learned how to generate leads on Facebook uh, for realtors and I think we can do it for investors. Uh, Who wants to do it with me? And so we started uh, working together and we started running his Facebook ads and he started getting a lot of deals. So we worked together for like nine months before their partners split. And I believe he got, like, about 24 deals out of it just Great. running Facebook ads. Great. That was his first one. Yeah. Great.
1: Cool. So one of the things that people say, and it's a vicious rumor, right? Like, I saw somebody who sells PPC leads exclusively the other day say cold calling is dead. And I'm like, well, I got 180 employees, buddy, and we're doing 2 million dials. Cold calling ain't dead. They ain't never been dead. And then you'll have people who are doing cold calling. They're like, ah, Instagram's got the worst leads. Super high funnel. Don't pick up the phone, convert, convert but I know that we've both been really good at doing our strategies and processes and such that we're delivering the highest quality leads that can come out of that funnel. So what is the X factor? Like if I look at you and I say, hey man, I want you to run my Facebook account. I want the best of the best motivated seller leads. Or I look at somebody else, the typical guy in the industry selling Facebook leads. What is different about your leads than somebody else's leads? Yeah,
0: absolutely. It, I think is that we really do understand marketing this whole but we also understand the conversion factor as a whole. So we're not only a lead generation company, we're a lead conversion company. And uh, what we do is that we really understand our avatar that we're talking to and the people that should go in the funnel. Not everyone and their mother should be filling out a form telling that I need to sell my house. There should be a big friction factor. So if I'm running Facebook ads or if I'm running Google, then these people, should be highly, highly targeted. And since Facebook, I'm just gonna give an example, Facebook has a lot of limitations, then we have to be able to capture these individuals with the right ad copy, which is usually capturing the person's attention and telling them exactly who we need to talk to and what they're gonna get, which ultimately is a good offer for them. And then after that, having a really good pre-qualifying process So that's like, a great landing page that as soon as people come in, be like, okay, this is for me. If I'm a buyer, I'm out. If I'm a a renter, I'm out. It's getting sifted through. And then uh, the questions that we ask that are gonna pre-qualify and this is the friction part uh, are going to eventually get rid of tire kickers. So people that really don't have the intention of really doing this and don't wanna put the time Mm. are gonna be sifted out and then they're gonna the funnel, go to the funnel. And then we
1: give it to our clients, they follow up if they do, and, and that's how it goes. Yeah, I love it. And you say in a lot of the same things that, that I'm a big proponent of, and everybody out there who's watching this, who has a, a boss that gives them leads, right? Everybody hates to have their time wasted on a lead that never should have been in the funnel. There's nothing more debilitating. There's nothing more that can suck the energy off of a sales floor than having leads that never should have been qualified inside a qualified funnel. Now, there's a trick with that too, though, is because you have to really know your sales skills and be a good salesperson to ever make that determination. And actually, if you're not paying for the lead, you shouldn't make that determination. That's for the CEO. So it's like this fine dance where you have what me and you know from lead providers is how to qualify a lead but there's still not gonna be 100% of the leads that send over that sign up. And so you have this delicate dance where you have an agent, if he doesn't know his sales skills, he's gonna miss his one out of 15 that he should be. And then he's gonna tell you, oh, I've been through 30 leads, and or 29 leads, and I haven't gotten a deal yet. No, it's because you missed this one here. But it's so much easier for them to sift through 15 to 30 leads than 300 leads. I would much rather give my guys 30, rockstar, low funnel leads to pitch and hold them accountable for, then 300 leads and hope they find the needle in the haystack. It sounds like what you do too, you hyper-qualify your leads, right? Hyper-qualify, cool. So you're a marketing guru, you're a sales guy, but what was your, Do what do you consider yourself? Are you more, like if I said, hey man, I'm gonna go, we're gonna go into partnership, we're gonna do these things, do you think you would drive more marketing, sales? Like what's more your, uh, the thing that gets you most passionate? Yeah. So I'm always learning. I'm always
0: a big proponent of learning like books and things like that. But I feel like I have both because I have to have both in order to be a good business owner. A lot of people that are watching this and they maybe wanna work with Lamassu, they're mostly gonna be business owners, right? Right. Or people that are in the closing game be like, I wanna get this whole thing going. You have to have both. You have to have a combination of marketing and sales. So that has given me really the drive to understand more sales and a marketing to understand, you know, sales. So as a salesperson to understand more marketing. So
1: I I feel like I'm I'm a good combination of both. Great's a good point. And so for everybody who's been in sales, like I honestly believe if you put me in enough years in any company, I could start a competitive company to beat that one. And the only reason why I say that is that like, if I'm doing sales for long enough, I now know my client avatar so well that I can handle marketing and I can know how the conversion side works and I know their thoughts and process before they got there. I know the pains that they said when they first walked on the car lot or they forced answered the phone. Like I know those pains. And so that way you can drive your marketing campaigns to address those. And sometimes it's not even, it's acknowledging those pains. You don't even have to, to like, hey, have you been scammed before? Were you a victim of this, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I love that that's where you're at now, but what was your first sales job out of curiosity? i love to find out like, what you consider your first real sales job and how did it go? So I think I've been kind of like a, like a salesperson
0: for a long period of time. I think when I was a kid, I used to, uh, I got a small loan with from my parents to sell gummies in school and then I ended up selling that thing, like literally it would be like under the door, be like, hey, you guys want gummies or you want all this kind of candy that I have? I ended up compiling 300,000 pesos. That is like, right now, the, the money today, that's like maybe almost a hundred bucks, but it's not too much back then. Back then. That was big it money. It was big money. Yeah. And with that, I was able to put 50% on a, purchasing an, a, an Xbox. Xbox
1: 360.
0: <laughs> so that was like my
1: first ever. I forget how young you are. Yeah. <laughs> and then- yeah, When I was selling gummies, there was Xboxes out. And Xboxes. Like, when I was selling gummies, we uh, I don't even know. May, maybe a Nintendo. <laughs> And then it was just like the, the other jobs that really paid me like
0: salary and things like that it was like commission only. I had to rely on that only commission, no loan, no base. And I was like, oh, I gotta be hungry about this. Great. There is, there's that drive that I have to get that, those sales. Oh.
1: Any advice? Like, uh, I think you're obviously a little bit younger, um, and you're entering to your sales career where technology is different than what it was. You know, there's there's a lot more resources available than there was. Maybe almost too many resources sometimes. There's so many people who claimed that they're an authority in the sales space. But for you, like, if 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 somebody was watching this, who's been working a general nine to five construction worker or teacher or somebody who's just they have a career, but they don't have a business. They have a career, but it has a ceiling. Because sales doesn't have a ceiling. It'll never have a ceiling. It just leads and leads and leads. So is there any advice you would give somebody who's considering like, you know what, man? I heard about this cool sales company down the street that's doing this. I'm thinking about it. What would your advice be? You know, if you really want to be a top closer, you're always going to be
0: refining and just, just making sure that your blade is the sharpest as possible. And because of that principle, you, ha- you should grab books that are proven books to help people become better at sales. I see one that is right there, it's called Never Split the Difference. That is one of the biggest books that actually changed the way that I did things. It was more structured. I actually understood the power of mirroring, the power of labeling, the power of tactical empathy, just negotiating with anyone. If it's your partner, if it's someone that you're having a discussion with, uh, it's just, if you grab a book and you understand that sales is something that is very learnable, it is a skill set that is very learnable because there is people that put processes in place for you to learn it. You're going to get it and be confident that like if through time with practice, role playing and talking with, yeah. you know, potential prospects, you're going to
1: get good at sales. I love it. So, I think one of the things that we should iterate for everybody, it's you know, you said grab the book, but then you went through it. You know how many people buy books and don't go through it? Yeah, a lot of people. Like it blows my mind. And do we give out sales books on the floor and you'll get, you can tell the people who don't flip through them because they ultimately leave. But my recommendation for anybody who's in sales uh, or considering sales, obviously read the books. You got your Zig Ziglar, you got your Tom Hopkins, you got your Never Split the Difference. I have so many mindset books and, and sales books here, Good to Great, One Decision. Uh, but the book isn't what's going to take you to the next level. It's consuming the information. And so I always encourage people to use a highlighter, obviously every time you read, and then to use an orange one and not a yellow one because the yellow one fades over time. And just read through the book, highlight all your good stuff, then go back, pull all that out, write that out, and then put it into action. But so many people are, I find in the sales space, they'll take the first step, but they don't take the 19 afterwards that it takes to actually put it in action.
0: Yeah, and I also listen to it. So... Uh, I consume information two ways by audio and obviously visual so that has that's helped me a lot huge huge all my salespeople people have to read never split the difference within the first two months of being us awesome. I want to dive
1: into that with you yeah do you think that you are, are you I saw Alex Ramozzi which is who you introduced me to that book the 300 million dollar offer and like well, great that that's I appreciate and I thank you for that. I'd never heard of him until I met you. Anybody wants to tag Alex, you can tag him. We have a monster call center that you'd be wildly interested in. Mm. Um, but you have that 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 type of book. Do you find for yourself when you, when you got into this, I, I guess I'm gonna refine it back out this way. You talked about being a closer, a master closer. Do you find for yourself that when you're consuming this type of stuff that you need to consume it audibly, or book? Do you recommend people try to do the same thing twice? Are you going between them? Or are you are you consuming the same content on both mediums?
0: Yeah. So I feel that every person needs to do what molds them. I like the 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 education ability. Because, for example, me when I when I'm reading, I I, I get distracted really easily. Uh, so when I'm reading, I'm only reading. All right. That's what happens. I could get distracted. I could, you know, fall asleep or whatever. Just feel sleepy. So having that audio part of me will allow me to focus on. I have this, and I'm listening. And also, a lot of people actually have the tonality, the voice to explain things properly. So it just digests into you. So that's why I highly,
1: highly do that. Cool. All the time. Yeah, I, I'm. I think it's just I'm so in my ways that it's. I'm book. Like it, it's got to be read. It's got to be right there. Um, and the phone's gotta be on the other side of the yeah. room, but I love it. Cool, man, so just a couple of takeaways. I, I love what you said, you talked about the difference. You, he used the word closer a lot, and not salesman a lot. And there is a big difference between a salesman and a closer. Um, it's it's kind of two different things. Like you start as a salesman, you grow into a closer, you pick up these books, you become educational, you become intentful with purpose about it. He recommended there' i got a lot of great books there as well too. So real quick, there's two things that I love to do, and I wanna hit you with a sales strategy to get your feedback. Yeah. And then I want to hear a crazy sales story from you. Yeah. So uh, let's talk sales strategies. Most of your clients right now are coming from your agency clients. Are they seeing an ad? How do they find you? Yeah. So if
0: someone is linked to this, probably will be retargeted by either a video or a static ad that I've done in Facebook, Instagram. Or um, if I see you remotely in any Facebook group, uh, one of our appointment setters, virtual assistants, will reach, reach out, out and okay. then it will book an appointment.
1: But you have limited information on them when they fill out a form, right? Mm-hmm. Very limited. So yeah. you got like a name, maybe a company, a phone number, an email. We do some pre-qualifying questions on
0: the ads. On that, right. And uh, in the conversations that we have in DM, uh, since we have a conversation, then based on the conversation, we also pre-qualify but is this still very high low. level. High level, right. yes.
1: So just like most of us out there, we get a lead, we got a little bit of information, now it's time to go. So talk to us about discovery questions, third level questions, second layer questions, like how are you, when you're on the phone with a prospect, how are you making sure that they don't say, yep, no, yep, no. What are you doing to get them closer?
0: Yeah, so you really want them to open up. A lot of people, what, what, they make a lot of mistakes on. Is exactly that what you said is be like, they're some questions where you're either gonna get a yes or a no. But instead you want people to really open up, to really open up like an onion where you start peeling that onion and understanding deeper exactly what they mean.
1: That's That's one thing that we do. And so what if you got a guy or a gal that just doesn't seem to be opening up? Do you feel that that's because maybe you missed something in the beginning. Do you think, like, what do you do? How are you training your guys when they come back to you and they only had a seven-minute pitch and yeah. message you via Slack and say, hey, he decided he didn't want to go forward. And you're like, how could he have made that decision? It's been seven minutes. I know you just got on the phone, oh, <laughs> think it's more infuriating. <laughs> that's funny. I don't
0: think in seven minutes, you're going to be able to make a big transaction exactly. such so, as so just selling your house. Um, and here's the thing, man, like a lot of closers miss this and they miss uncovering real things that are happening behind the scenes of these prospects' heads or lives, okay? So, and, and that all comes down to really understanding the individual and the tactics that you that you use in, there, in order to understand. So, we're talking about asking better questions, but also proving on what they've told you because a majority of the times, people are only gonna give you the surface level. And you have to understand that you have to know this in
1: order to actually go deeper into yes. it. yeah. So we call it the reactionary, I train on this. It's the reactionary defense response, RDR. Everybody does it, you do it, I do it. We just go into the uh, shoe store and they're like, hey, can I help you? I'm like, no, I don't need anything. I'm, in my head, my wallet is burning a hole in my pocket. I got to spend some money. But they're like, no, everything's fine. Or you go into the car lot. They're like, no, I'm just, I'm just looking. I'm like, no, I don't know exactly which AMG I want. And so, but people are like that. And some sales agents don't know. It's like, I have to, I have to do that. It's not that I'm a bad guy or I even really mean what I say as the prospect. I just, it's a reactionary defense response. It's a fight or flight scenario. And so getting people to understand that, hey, you gotta get past that. Uh, they always say like, buyers are liars. And that's the defensive posture as well too. One of the things that we train on here is that it takes time to get the sale. And so I am never mad at somebody who spends time with a person and doesn't get it anywhere near as compared as I am to someone who rushes through a pitch and doesn't get it. Because they didn't give the prospect what they deserve. They didn't give them time. You didn't build rapport. You didn't spend the time to understand their needs because people don't care how much or how great our deal is until so they know that we care about them. And so sounds like you're of the same vein. Like just spend time with these people, ask secondary and third level questions, and you'll have a better conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you read the, the
0: book that actually I told you to read or things like that, you're gonna understand the power of mirroring uh, which is which allows you to prove more. Just literally repeat what they said, uh, and and do it with a tonality and be like, you're a little bit either confused or you want to find out more. And that tactic itself uh, will do a lot of good things in your conversations because it will uncover things because they'll just like start spitting. You know, some people, they, they're just like, they, they don't want to say things because they're not talkers or they're not expressive. But like as, as soon as you make them think that you are there with them, that you are listening, that you're empathetic, boom. Just start
1: spitting. So I love that you use the word spitting. Uh, it's all my sales manager, sales trainers that are out there. One of the things I love to do on the sales floor, and I'll do this every number of months as you get new agents in, but everybody knows, but I'll wear a, a parka, one you know, of those rain jackets, plastic rain jackets, and I'll give my meeting in a rain jacket. and I, Cause I want that image to like embed and grain in their head because the customers are supposed to throw up on you. They're supposed to tell you all these no's and seven minutes of reasons why I can't sell my house or buy your product or buy this car or whatever it is. And it's just like, hey, if you go into every sales pitch with your rain jacket on, let them throw up on you. It's gonna slide right off. You don't hear it, it doesn't bother you. You're you encouraging them to throw it up, get it out? Because everybody knows that you throw up you be a little bit better and then you just get it out of them and you move on. So I love it. Oh. All right, cool. Crazy sales story, bro. Tell me something that's kind of, when you think you're like, oh man, I should have worked a corporate job or something crazy happened in sales. You're like, this only happens in sales. Like a story that's like, man. I yeah. <laughs> so this was a, this was actually a close
0: that uh, a lot of people will be like, man, you actually closed that deal. And how did that happen? So what happens is that it went through the entire sales process. We showed them the demo, all the benefits, everything that they get, the value stack. I handle all the objections, everything that, that needed to happen. And uh, all of a sudden this person that's supposed to go into, and it was so into this, this product that we have, which is Facebook lead generation, is like, oh wait, my, my wallet. No. <laughs> well, my wallet, you know, the classic thing, like, I'll be like, oh, I think I left my wallet. I think I, I you know, can we touch base tomorrow? Uh-huh. Um, and be like, okay, so you left your wallet? Uh, yeah, just, where's your wallet? Um, oh, I think, it might, I think it might be in the car. I think, I think it might be somewhere in the car. Okay, um, that's fine, uh, I'll, I'll wait here for you. So what ended up happening is that I, I made him go pick up the wallet, I waited on the Zoom call. I, I, I spent there for about 10 minutes and uh, the person was like, you know what Esteban, I see that you're committed in this. I see that you are here in the Zoom call still. I was really thinking about it. I was just very scared of this decision. And then, he, because he told me that, I basically reassured and resold the product, but I was like, man, let's make it happen. Took the credit card and after, the, wait, yeah, after a good 10 minutes, he just paid, we started doing the launch and everything, and he ended up being a successful client. Just by literally waiting, having that awkward moment where it's like, okay, what do I do? Like, this guy's making me think, just silence. That made me
1: close the deal right in there. Dude, I love it. Uh, there's just so many sales tactics bundled in that, even if you knew it or not. It's like, I hear all these guys, and they're like, I sent them the contract. I'll call them back in 15 minutes. It's like, bro, they're not going to answer. If you would have let that guy go, he wouldn't have converted. But the pressure and heat, because he was too nice of a guy to just close the screen on you. He was still debating if he should or he shouldn't. But that persistence that you did and awkward too, right? Because he's probably walking around, pacing behind the thing, drinking water, looking at the credit card. What do I come back? I got to come back and tell him, something. what am I going to tell him? It's like we hear people all the time. And I love phone sales, but I didn't learn sales over the phone. I learned it all face-to-face, raw dog, just timeshare sales as a kid at 20 years old. And so, but when I get these people now for our closers and they're like, oh yeah, I I need to speak with my wife. Hmm. And they're like, Okay, yeah, she's not there, no, she's not there. And so like later in the conversation or whatever towards the end of the close, and we're still kind of dealing with that objection where earlier he said he was the sole decision maker. We've done all these things. But when we put the customers on hold, we always use mute, we never use the hold button. Mm -hmm. We wanna hear what's going on. And so like he'll be talking to me or something, asking about a price quote or going over the objection. And all of a sudden you hear the wife in the background start talking. The same wife that they said, wasn't home right now and he needed to talk to. And it's just like that old buyers are liars type things. It's like, dude, just don't worry about that objection. She's there. She's listening in the background. But the worst thing you can do in that situation, Mr. and Mrs. Closer out there is when you hear that wife in the background, not immediately come back and call it out for what it is. And listen, they want to get it off their chest that they've been lying. You put on an excellent pitch. It's time to close. It's time to do your thing. So I love that story. I appreciate you sharing with you. I appreciate you coming. allowing me into your country, right? Like what were the odds that you'd meet a gringo? And what were the odds that you'd be doing a podcast here in Colombia? Oh Oh my uh, God, very low, man. The odds that you actually build such a great
0: thing for real estate investors and wholesalers based off in in one of the most beautiful countries in the world, uh, it's incredible. And like now you have this, you have uh, your uh, guests coming in here, probably clients, affiliates, uh, being in this podcast that's Pretty amazing. Yeah. So, if you haven't
1: that. been to Colombia, it is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. This morning, I don't know, 40-some monster parakeets flying up. It's like, a, it's, it's, it makes no sense. Definitely blessed to be here and blessed to have guests like you here. Uh, for everybody that's following who wants to learn more about Hustle Media or Hustle Media, Esteban Andrade, where do they find you at? Uh, Instagram. So we'll be at Estenik. That's
0: E-S-T-E-N-I-C-K. You're going to find me on Instagram find me on Facebook with a free Facebook group. Real Estate, Investing, Marketing, and Conversion Mastery. That's the Facebook group that we have there for free. You're going to go in there. We have a lot of content. So podcast, uh, we have the Online Hustlers podcast. And we've had an episode with Scott Morse, which was incredible. All about sales and everything, closing deals, and obviously running a successful cold calling operation. That you should check it out as well on the
1: podcast, Spotify. So yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, if you catch up my, uh, and I forgot, it's been a while since I was on your podcast, You actually get to see inside of the call center because I actually strategically, I think, took that one with the call center in the background. And it's a very, very sales-focused podcast. So I'm glad, kind of give and take. I'm happy to have you on here. So go follow Esteban Andrade, uh, his his lead generation machine. It is that. It's a machine. I We have a lot of mutual clients out there in that space. But my hopes and my, my thing with having you on is There's a lot of young men and women out there your age and so forth. And I think they find a lot of inspiration. I know there's a lot of Colombians here and people who have moved to the States and they find inspiration in your story, man. So I appreciate you sharing it. Go follow this man. I hope you enjoyed another episode of the Leads the Deals podcast. We'll catch you next time.